following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning, church. I hope that you are doing well. Happy Father's Day to all uh, fathers in the room. Um, glad you're here with us. Listen, this um, I want to thank the team for leading us this morning, especially considering this was a fun week for our worship team. Um, for those of you who don't know, Caitlin and Randy um, were pregnant, and I say were because they had their baby. If you could show that picture. Yeah. Unbelievable. They are exhausted, as you know they are, but um, so grateful for, for Emerson healthy, mommy healthy, daddy tired. It's all good. It's all good. So we're grateful for that. Um, listen, before we get into the Psalms, uh, I did want to remind us of something that we started last week that we called the Summer of Prayer. Um, I was blown away by the response that we received last week. So here's the idea. Um, during the summer, it's, it's not easy for us to be able to gather each week in person, face-to-face, to, to pray together as a church. But we can do this using a little bit of technology. So last week what we did is we started an initiative through all of the summer where each Monday morning at 8 a.m., not too early, not too late, 8 a.m., that you'll receive a, a text message from our church with a, a prayer focus. And what this is designed to do is that wherever we are in our week, that we would be able to stop and come together and pray together as a church. And not all of these things are asking the Lord for things. A lot of these things are going to be simply acknowledging who the Lord is as a church, as a people together, thanking him confessing sins together, all of these things. And so um, we started this initiative last week. And if you could put the, the, the yes, this right here. So if you're not yet a part of, of prayer, a summer of prayer, this is how you get a part of it. You, you didn't miss anything. You're just going to be joining us on week two. So that's fine. Um, but if you were to take out your phone and text the word prayer, it can be all caps, it can be all lower, either one. To that number, 210-880-9944, you'll join the majority of our church who are already in this, praying, committing to pray together as a church. And so we love this, gives us the ability to rally around prayer together as a church in these summer months. Um, So I want to encourage you, if you're not connected with that yet, get connected, get connected. If you have any problems or questions, please let us let us know. So now we get to turn our attention to the book of Psalms. And for our church, we love the summer because it gives us a change of rhythm. We stop what we're doing. We stop where we are in whatever book we happen to be in. And we spend the summer months, a good portion of them, in the Psalms. And we love this because in the Psalms we're approached, we, we encounter so many different things about our God and about us. And, and so we look forward to this time. It's a good change of, of pace for us. And so I want to invite you to grab your Bibles if you have them. Open with me to the Psalm that we just read, Psalm 146. Um, as you're getting there, this is a fairly straightforward text. 
It really is. And, and as we look at this, this isn't one of those texts where we have to kind of plunge down deep to find the meaning there. You know, this isn't one of those. As we read this, it's very straightforward. It's clear in its call. The hard thing about this text is the application, allowing this text to, to change us. And that's, that's where it gets a little bit difficult. And this text also is going to drive us to consider the gospel this morning. And hopefully that can be said on every single Sunday that you're here. However, this text does a wonderful job of pointing us to the gospel of Jesus. And so um, this is where I would like for us, as we come to this text, to come to the Lord in prayer for help, that he would apply his word to our hearts. That I mean, we could come in this, this morning, hear a message, go home, and do your Father's Day stuff, and just continue on, right? But my hope, my prayer has been and is that this morning is different than that. That this wouldn't be just a message from some guy, but this would be us encountering God's word together and leaving changed. That's my prayer, and if since that's the prayer, I think let's start with prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you. We come to your word this morning. We stand, we sit in this room this morning. We want to hear from you. As we read your word, as I teach your word, I ask that you would speak through your word and that you would apply your word to us. Spirit, we need you. Would you convict us? Would you open our eyes? Would you, would you change us? our hearts. And for that, we give you the glory for what you are about to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Psalm 146. If you were to look at this psalm, you're going to notice, um, if you were to just skim over it quickly, you're going to notice structurally it has bookends. You know what bookends are? Um, bookends mean that it starts and it ends in this very similar way. Um, in verses 1 and 2, it starts with praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord as long as I live. I'm going to praise the Lord for as long as I'm able to, right? Then, if you fast forward to verse 10, it ends very similar. It says, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. It's bookended. It begins and it ends with, with praise, which is fitting because praise kind of grounds the psalm. Um, I love books, love books. I'm, I'm a bit of a minimalist in almost every area of my life, except for books. So I'm one of those guys that literally I would be happy if I had one knife, one fork, one spoon, one plate, one bowl, one cup. And when I'm done with them, wash them and they're ready for the next time. Like that would be great. Um, one pair of pants, some shirts, some shoes that each serve a different purpose. That's my jam. That's who I am, except when it comes to books. I am excessive with books. I could live in a library and be very happy and content. For everyone, though, who has books, you know the importance of good bookends. Without them, they're just kind of, your shelves just never look good, right? They're always fallen over or not kept. Bookends keep your books straight from slanting over. They keep them in order. Well, in this psalm, I want us to think of 
verses 1 and 2 and verse 10 in that, in that way. It keeps our psalm straightforward. It keeps our psalm in order. It, it anchors our psalm. It, it structures our psalm. Um, praise is a wonderful and fitting bookend for what we are about to talk about. And one of my favorite lines of the bookends is, is in verse 2. When he says, I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. In other words, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to continue to praise God for as long as it's still my choice to make. I'm going to praise God for as long as I'm able to do it. While I still have breath in my lungs, I still have the ability to sing. I will praise God. Now, we're going to come back to the bookends. Um, but as you look at this psalm, there is only one, in verses 3 through 9, there's only one command that you're going to find. There's only one imperative that you're going to find in this psalm. There's only one thing that the psalmist says, hey, do this. There's only one thing. And it's in verse 3. Verse 3 says, put not your trust in princes. Now, as we read that, we think, awesome. I don't trust princes, so this... I'm good, right? I'm good. But then the psalmist unpacks this a little more. He says, don't put your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. So the psalmist says, hey, don't put your trust, your confidence, your faith, your hope. Don't find your peace in princes, kings, authorities, governments, government officials. In fact, don't place your trust in humans. In a son of man, in humans. Don't trust in princes or any son of man in whom there is no salvation. In other words, don't find your confidence in people. That'll preach. Don't find your confidence in people. Don't search for your ultimate purpose, salvation in people, because it's not there. There is no salvation there. And then in verse 4, he continues, he says, When his breath departs and returns to the earth, on that very day his plans perish. So when he's, he breathes his life, his last breath, and his life is over, on that very day his plans perish with him, is what verse 4 says. In other words, to place your ultimate trust in people is crazy because they are just as fragile as you are. They are just as finite as you are. When they breathe their last breath, that person will return to dust. And when they return to dust, so does that person's ability to execute on all the things that they were going to do before they breathed their last. Does that make sense? We are finite. On that very day, his plans will perish. Put not your trust in princes and the son of, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation because that's crazy. Verse 4, because when his breath departs, he returns to the earth and on that very day, his plans perish. So why trust in men then? Why trust in men like this? And so we have to ask as we read this imperative of Psalm 146 is how do we do this? Do we still do this? How do we do this? Do we still fall into this temptation of trusting quote unquote princes? If so, Who are, what are your princes? 
do we, how do we place our trust in people today? I would propose to you that since the fall in Genesis 3, since the fall in Genesis 3, our greatest single temptation is to trust in others over our trust in our God. In fact, I would propose to you that we feel this temptation to trust in two kinds of princes. Two two kinds, these are broadly speaking, I know, but two kinds of princes this morning that you are going to feel the pull to place your trust in over your God. So let's, let's start with this, and, and let's, um, let's ask again that the Lord would just speak through this. Two kinds of princes, broadly speaking, that we can place our trust in. The first one is, the prince number one is you, the self. If there is one son of man, if there is one human being, one finite human that you are tempted to place your ultimate trust in, it is he is, she is you. To trust in our own wisdom, to trust in our own insights. Some of you pride yourself on having a really good gut. I'm going to go with my gut. To trust in your gut, to trust in your own strength, instincts, intellect, determination. Some of you are just like, I might not be the best, but I'm not giving up. To trust in ourselves, to be self-reliant, to quote Philippians 4.13a without B, to say, I can do all things. Forgetting the second part that says, through him who strengthens me, to trust the self. I would propose to you that this is the single greatest temptation of our culture by and large. As we think about our culture, um, this idea of post-modernity, that what's true for you is true for you, what's True for me is true for me. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, and it's relative. How dare you tell me? As you think in those terms, this boils down to a trust in ourselves. There's no absolute truth. There's only what my heart, what my gut, what my reason tells me is true for me. Church, as we think of Prince number one in your life, why don't you look Prince number one in the eye? Do not put your trust in princes, in a son of man, that includes you, in whom there is no salvation. Again, look Prince number one in the eye and realize, verse four, that when your breath departs, and when you return to the earth, on that very day, your plans perish. For everyone who clings to a relative truth, on that very day, your relative truth perishes. We are flaky. That's the theological word. Shifty. Often misled. We often mislead ourselves. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, you got to hear me here. When it comes to Prince number one, You lie to you more often and more effectively than anyone else does. (laughs) You lie to you more often, more effectively. You are good at it. I mean, you would think you would know better. You know you, right? 
but you are good at this. You, you lie to you more often, more effectively than any, anyone else does. Because of this, how foolish is it for us to place all of our trust in our own limited understanding? Do we really want to bank on ourselves? Put not your trust in princes. The first prince that we need to come to terms with is ourself, ourselves. And for the majority of us, our great temptation will be to trust ourselves and how we feel, how we think, what we experience. Not realizing that we do this being so finite and so limited in what we can see and what we can feel. And I, I, we need an authority higher than ourselves. You need an authority higher than you. So I want to invite you to do kind of an inventory of yourself. I said this psalm is pretty straightforward, but it's painful. Do an inventory of you. How do you, how are you placing your trust in Prince number one? In what ways are you trusting in yourself over your God and over his word? Since, again, going back to the garden in Genesis 3, we have been drawn We have been drawn to trust ourselves over our God, thinking, you know what? I think I know better. I think I've got this one. I think I understand this one. I believe myself to be just a little bit wiser in a way that's causing me to question you, God, and your word. This is the fall. This is Genesis 3. In other words, your temptation to trust in Prince number one, you get that honest from Adam. Do not put your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. If this is you and prince number one is pulling at you, come back to your God and repent and begin, church, to fill your mind with this. With his truth, with his word, with an authority that is beyond you. This is eternal. This is true. You can trust this. You can cling to this. Fill your mind with this. As you do, you begin to put on the mind of Christ. As you do, you begin to think God's thoughts after him. As you do, you will begin to conform yourself into the image of Christ. And as you do, you will take Prince number one, Sounds like a dating show. I apologize for that. As I say this over and over, it's feeling that way. It allows you to take prince number one. To look that prince in the eye. To take the self and to daily make the self bend the knee. That's what this does. That's how we live out this psalm. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. And we do this continually by placing our trust in our God with whom there is salvation. But this morning, I don't want to spend all of our time on Prince number one because there's another Prince that I'd like for us to look eye to eye with, Prince number two. So Prince number one is you, Prince number two is them, others. And you're thinking, that's broad. Yes, it is. They will fix me. They will make it right. They will 
complete me. When I get married, they're going to fix me. They won't. Um, If I could just spend time with that person, if I could just follow that person, if I could just be around that person, then, then I'll be fixed. Then I'll be saved. There is a real tendency that we will all face, especially in times of trial, by the way, to look for help. And there's nothing wrong, church, don't hear me wrong, with receiving help in times of need. But ultimately, church, our help comes from the Lord. I'm reminded of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We look for saviors all the time in our life who can fix us and to make our lives what we think they should be. But no person, no relationship, no spouse, no leader can complete you, make you perfect, can fix what is broken in you, and can solve what is so confused in your soul. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day, his plans perish. I can think of, as I was studying for this, um, and in this psalm, I could think of so many marriages that have gone through so much pain because they entered into the marriage thinking believing that their spouse would somehow fix them, would save them, would. And here's what happens. When the spouse doesn't live up to that because they can't, it destroys them. But that spouse is never meant to be the savior. And it's not just in the marriage relationship. It's when we place our trust in people as our savior, they will fail you. They will fail. And when they do, you will be let down. As this psalm says, that person, that prince is infinite, or is finite just like you. So many have come before us placing their trust in people and governments and authorities, leaders, to fix what's broken and only to be let down. Because again, put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When their breath departs, they return to the earth and on that very day, all of their plans perish. My hope is to read this enough to where it is just on, your, on our minds. Just as finite as you and your understanding is, just as finite as prince number one is, Church, so is prince number two. And again, we need an authority higher than them. We need an authority higher, higher, mightier than them. I invite you and I want to challenge you this morning to do an inventory of yourself. How do you, how are you placing your trust in prince number two? Placing your trust in the others in your life. Is there anyone in your life you're making a savior? In what, other, in what ways are you trusting in others over your God and his word? Again, I'm going to keep pulling us back to Genesis 3. You remember what happened in Genesis 3? 
In Genesis 3, we, we see Adam and we see Eve who are both drawn away from the word of their God by the word of that serpent. Who do you trust? Because not, not only do we so often think that we know better and we believe that we are wiser, but so often we believe that they know better, that they have figured it out, that they are wiser, so we follow and believe that they are going to fix us when both prince number one and prince number two will leave you, will leave us empty, and neither one of them can save you. In fact, in light of what we just talked about, in light of Prince number one and in light of Prince number two, in light of ourselves and in light of others, I want to read as the psalmist now is going to contrast our princes with our God. Listen to this in verse five. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. The way of the wicked he brings to ruin. This is our God. And our princes pale into comparison to that. He is our creator. We are his creation. He is just, sets the prisoners free, heals the blind, picks us up. He is righteous and loves what is righteous, watches over us. The the homeless upholds the vulnerable, the widow, the fatherless. This is our God. Do not trust in you. Do not trust in them, church. Trust in him. And let's talk about the him here for a moment because now we get the great joy I cannot wait for this. We get the great joy of now reading the psalm in God, through gospel lenses. This is everything because Jesus changes everything. Scripture, church, tells us of another prince. Scripture tells us of another son of man. In fact, if you think about it, One of the primary titles that Jesus uses in his earthly life here was Son of Man. In fact, when we walk through Luke, we even titled that series The Son of Man. Because of how prominent this is. See, the Psalms tell us, don't trust in princes, in a Son of Man in whom there is no salvation. Yet, the gospel, church, tells us of another who was to come, another prince, not a son of man, but the son of man. The psalm says there is no salvation in them, but as scripture said, there is salvation in him. I think of Luke 19.10 that says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Follow me. The gospel tells us, church, that there is a prince, there is a son of man in whom there is salvation. But more than that, we have to think about verse 4 in light of the gospel. 
in your psalm, it says, Psalm 146, verse 4, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day, his plans perish. Well, for a moment, let's consider the true prince. Let's consider the true son of God because the gospel of Mark in chapter 15 says that Jesus did, in fact, utter his last words and breathed his last breath. The son of man's breath did, in fact, depart. And then in Matthew 27, it does say that they took him and laid him in a tomb. So follow me. The Son of Man's breath did depart. The Son of Man was laid in a tomb to return to earth. And if that were the end of the story, then we would also have to then understand Jesus in light of the last part of the psalm. That on that very day, his plans were buried with him. They would have perished with him. But this is where our prince, the prince, is different than your princes. This is where the Son of Man is different than your princes because in Mark 16, it talks about the followers of Jesus going to this tomb, being met by an angel, saying, he's not here. He is risen. Here's my point. The gospel invites you to place your trust in not just a prince or a son of man, but in the prince, the son of man. You and all of the others will fall short, but there is another. There is another prince The gospel invites you to lift your eyes up from the sons of man to the son of man. The gospel invites you to place your trust in the one whose plans did not die with him. Because he did not die. He rose. He is not dead. He rose. This, Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm, church. Would you notice with me how Jesus just perfectly fulfills this psalm? In fact, I want to read this psalm again, and I want to read it in light of Jesus. Here we go. Verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Do you remember the verse we read this morning already in Colossians? says, he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He is the fulfillment of this psalm. Verse 7 of our psalm says, he executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners, upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. With that in mind, church, would you just take in the words of Jesus in Luke 4? In Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim, what, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor. Church, Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm. 
Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Instead, church, put your trust in Jesus Christ, the prince of peace, the son of man in whom there is salvation. Put down your princes, lay aside your trust in yourself and others, and cling to Christ. Place your trust in Christ. Romans 10. I want you to listen to this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. See, our princes will leave us to be put to shame. But here, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. This morning, church, if you are here and you have never placed your trust in Jesus, I want to point you to the gospel this morning. Psalm three, Psalm 146.3 says, Don't put your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. Instead, the invitation for you this morning, church, is to put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Son of Man, in whom there is salvation. And as you do this, the Word of God tells us that we just read, you will be saved. Saved from your sins, saved to walk in a new life with Jesus. And that is the invitation this morning, to put down our princes and to cling to the Prince of Peace. And what a fitting way it is, I think, for us to end this morning by singing an old song together. And before we sing, would you do this? Would you join me in standing? I'd like to invite you, um, just here in this moment, would you, would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? Um, My hope is that we are able to respond to the gospel this morning. And if you're here this morning and you would say, this is me, I don't know what it looks like to place my trust in the Son of Man. I don't know. I don't think I've ever done that. I don't know. If that is you this morning, I want to encourage you not to leave this place before you know. As the team leads us in the song, I I just want to invite you right where you are to respond to the gospel. There is no hocus pocus magic words here. In fact, the, the word of God says that as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And everyone who does that, verse 11 says, will never be put to shame. It is about responding. And if you're here, I just encourage you, invite you, challenge you, plead with you. Respond to the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. I want to read these lyrics. And as I do, uh, I just would like for you, before we sing these lyrics, I'd just like for you to take this truth in. Tis so sweet trust in Jesus just to take him at his word 
just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Let's sing in response to God's word together.